and welcome to another episode of the Masters Button Smashcast. I am Jarrett, and I'm here with Games Industry Public Defender and a scourge of Ironforge that may be contested by him, Nick Zellerin-Kevich. Actually, I'm going to contest the Public Defender one. I don't think I've been doing too much defending lately. I don't think last week you had much to defend. Yeah, I don't know. I might be going into the being the, the Public Offender now. Leaving the prosecution? No, I think I just offend people. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah, this is MASHCAST number 127. And, uh, once, you know, I gotta stop making promises, because I definitely said, oh yeah, we're <laughs> definitely doing it on Thursday this time. And no, that didn't happen. Uh, so, sorry about that. Uh, but I'm, we are going to try, no promises, we're going to try <laughs> to get it back on Thursday this week. Even though I don't mind doing the MASHCAST on Sunday. It's just that uh, we think Friday is the better day to get it out. But anyway, uh, got a couple things to talk about today. Uh, first of all, remember Dungeon Keeper and how that sucked because of the microtransactions. Uh, so we're, uh, so something came out of that. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Uh, there was an article about how AAA shooters, uh, the publishers of AAA shooters, they agreed it's pushing people to competitive mobas, and also uh, information on the Hearthstone pricing model came out and we're going to discuss that but first off the first thing we're going to talk about is uh microsoft's challenge uh, but yeah so microsoft is challenge ch- well, i'm sorry they are not making a formal challenge uh but uh microsoft's uh market yeah, oh, sorry xbox marketing chief harvey eagle says that he challenges uh, you know, gamers to spot the difference between 1080p and 900p, 60fps and 30fps. He says he he says uh you know unless you're using a screen that's more than 60 inches big, you probably won't see the difference. That is so false. <laughs> that, that that is not true, and I don't know whether he's just bullshitting or if he's just never played uh, you know PC games before. And I'm guessing it's the latter. That he he doesn't know that he actually doesn't he doesn't play video games or he doesn't play PC games. Because if you've played PC game for any length of time, it's actually very easy to spot the difference between ten eighty P and not ten eighty P. Actually, I mean on my T V alone I can if like, you know, playing certain games, I you know, when I played Watch Dogs, you can tell that game is not ten eighty P because it doesn't look like the other stuff on my uh on my TV that does play at 1080p it just wasn't smooth enough and it wasn't just a muddy texture issue you know so <laughs> i actually and i think the the uh the article the, the writer of this article kind of agrees with him that you know he, you can't really tell the difference and well for the writer he says it doesn't matter to him at all um but I, I, the thing i think they're missing here is people aren't upset uh, because they're not getting 1080p. The upsetting part is that these new consoles just came out. They're brand spanking new. And you can't even run a game at 1080p, which would mean that the console is underpowered. That That's what that means. Like, if you can't run a game at 1080p, 60 frames per second, in this new generation, that would say to me that this, con- that this generation is underpowered. Because the last generation, most of the games, especially toward the end, like pretty much all the games, ran at 30 frames per second or lower. I think the I can't. I think the last game that might have ran at 60 FPS that I played on my Xbox, I think I think it was Hawks, maybe. 
I can't. I, I can't even remember if I played anything after that. So that was 60 frames per second. But the previous generation was 30 frames per second. The new generation is also like most for the most part 30 frames per second. It's not 60. And the fact that you can't pump out 1080p, where PC is doing it with no problem. My PC, do, I'm like, doesn't even huff when I play a game at 1080p, 16 frames per second. And that that's a power issue. So it leaves questions for the future, like what's going to happen once develop, you know, uh, graphics start to develop more? What's, you know, are, are these consoles going to get outdated fast? It's not the same situation that we had with the Xbox 360 and the PS3, where those consoles were top of the line when they came out. They were, like, the, the 360 when it came out was on par with PC, no doubt about it. Uh, and, you know, those console generations lasted for a long time because of that. They had a long life because they were top of the line when they came out. But these consoles don't really feel like that. And I think, and that's the problem. That's the point that he's missing. Well, has the PlayStation 4 had any resolution issues or do they tend to, I mean, I guess outside of Watch Dogs, but Watch Dogs is its own ball of wax there. Yeah. Um, besides Watch Dogs, I really, I, I haven't seen any games that are below 1080p. But then again, I don't pay attention to specs all that much until like the game's getting really close to coming out. Um, so I'll, you know, I have to look and see if there's any of the games that are coming out 900p. But I knew Watch Dogs was a big deal because that was only 900p versus the 1080p people wanted it to be. Yeah, but that was Ubisoft being Ubisoft. Yes, that was Ubisoft being Ubisoft. Uh, but one of the points that. I don't know if it's Eagle that makes it necessarily, um, but the the related uh, CVG uh, interview with him um, is that they point out uh, that uh, where was it that there's additional GPU power that, that that's available now um, since uh, let's see here I'm looking for the exact statistics regarding uh, yeah um, yeah there we go it's, it's, yeah, Eagle points this out there is some GPU power that can be allocated to connect that we're now freeing up for developers if they want to increase the fidelity of their games I want to point out though that this is absolutely up to the developer on how they deploy the power which um, basically it means that one of the reasons for the reduced fidelity was that the connect was using that GPU that flat out the connect was, was degrading the performance on the uh, on the three or the the Xbox one and so one of the little nifty one of the nifty advantages and you know not only does it allow you know decoupling the connect allow them to, to reduce the price you know not only um you know does it does it alleviate the issue of people concerned about the connect being included um but it also it actually improves the performance of the xbox one that it's no longer included there um and so that may be part of the problem is that you know, all the games that we've seen so far were developed with the expectation that the Connect was part of the system, that the Connect was using all the resources of the system. Maybe, you know, well, that decision was made, what, back in like January? So maybe, you know, going forward, games that come out probably, what, next year will be when they, they'll have time to actually incorporate that change. Um, maybe those games might actually have a chance at hitting 1080p naturally. But that's that's a bit, I mean, not, not surprising, but I guess it's a bit disappointing that it's like to a degree that, Microsoft would hamstring their own console because they're like, oh no, Connect is awesome in the future. Well, I mean that that that's a totally different conversation, but something that just shows that Microsoft was uh, willing to sacrifice gaming uh, power for the entertainment portion. Uh, but actually, when I said 900p, I was talking about Sony on the Xbox. I actually think it was 720p on the on the Xbox One. 
for Watch Dogs. Yeah. And I do know more games coming out for the Xbox One, or at least ones that announced have been announced at lower resolutions than the PS4. So with them freeing up the space or the or the resources, I should say, uh, I think it'll bring it on par with the PS4 now. But it doesn't stop the fact that Watch Dogs needed to be 900p on the PS4. If Ubisoft could have made it 1080p, they would have done it 100%. They even said when they were making Watch Dogs, they did it with you know PC in mind first, and then you know worked on the console versions. Of course, they probably started working on Watch Dogs before they even had PS4 dev kits and Xbox One dev kits. And then once they figured out that the new consoles were coming out, they're like, "Well, we need to shift our development resources to make sure it looks good on these consoles." Um, and Watch Dogs on PC does look good. But it doesn't look good enough for me to sacrifice all the things I would have to sacrifice to get it on PC. Um, but yeah, that that's 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 the deal. Like, if there's any confusion as to what this resolution problem is actually about, it's actually not about the resolution. It's not about the fact that people have 1080p PCs. Uh, sorry, um, screen uh, TVs. And they're like, oh, this is 900p. I could, you know, I can see the difference. It's not about that. It's just knowing the fact that it's 900p versus it being 1080p. The notes that there's actually uh, yeah, some type of like, you know, uh, power missing. That's what it feels like. I mean, if you talk talk to anybody who's an actual gamer and who stays in the loop on these things, we already know that both of these consoles were are underpowered compared to the to, to the PC. Because if they actually matched PC graphics, the prices would be higher. You, we would have the, both consoles would have been a minimum of five hundred dollars without the Connect, <laughs> you know. But that's the thing; like the, the the they are underpowered, and I think that's one of the reasons why. Well, Microsoft for one wanted to rely so heavily on the cloud. Sony also wants the cloud to become a big thing because they could throw processing to the back end and then just stream forward. You know, it would it wouldn't make a difference at that point, and I think that they that may still be their plan as the consoles age, to to use the cloud and stream games. But I'll be honest with you, I am very attached to my physical copies of games because if my internet goes out, I can still play Infamous. Okay, actually, my power did go out earlier this week. Uh, sorry, not my power. My internet went out. Not so I didn't say power, but and my internet went out because if the power goes out, I'm not playing anything. Um, <laughs> But the uh, the internet went out early this week because we have a, a storm, and I uh, unfortunately most of the stuff on my PC requires an internet connection for me to be productive. So I turn on my PS4, and I played start playing uh, Infamous Second Son again. This time the evil side. So yeah, I guess why I want my physical copies of my games, unless uh, digital copies work too. Uh, as long as they're on my physical machine, but streaming, I'm not a, I'm not a fan, not a fan. So, so if you were saying that basically like the, this, this, the choice they had was between an underpowered console at an affordable price. And I, I use affordable as a relative term, um, an underpowered console at an affordable price or a appropriately powered console at a, an exorbitant price. What was the right call there? Uh, because it's it seems to me that, that Eagle's kind of saying like the resolutions if if you know even if you can tell the difference the fact that he and, and you know and therefore most people 
can't tell the difference means that the resolution is close enough to it's close enough to being top quality that whatever sacrifices they had to make as far as power in order to get the console to to, to be you know four hundred dollars at this point um, you know that's that's sort of the trade off that okay you're not getting your full 1080p but it's good enough you know good enough for government work as it were and so. You know, if if that's kind of you know what what they had to do to get the console shipped and and into your hands, you know, isn't that a worthy trade off then? No. Um, basically, what they should have done is what I said they should do. I've been saying it for years. They need to make these consoles with expansion slots. Okay, because first of all, four hundred dollars is a lot of money to plunk down. And that's four hundred. Uh, that's four hundred dollars with just the console, no games, one controller. Um, at that point, it's a cable box because you can connect your Netflix and your Hulu Plus to it. So that's not, you know, that's not cheap. Okay, uh, for four hundred dollars, you get an underpowered console that, you know, within the next two to three years, from a graphical perspective, is probably going to be obsolete. Okay, um, and then, then they were, they were trying all these different methods to, you know make the games look good yeah, but I, I, not to interrupt here but obsolete compared to what because i mean i mean pc is going to be moving on its own thing but but pc is still very fundamentally different from console insofar as like you know pc traditionally requires like a desktop setup and you're not you know the whole point of console is you're playing in your living room on your tv so what you know like you know like what's offering you a better gaming experience in your living room than the consoles what's going to obsolete them within the next few years steam boxes possible but 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 then again or look, if you but look right at the prices now, for the steam boxes i mean wait, they, wait 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 right now if you have a shield if you have an nvidia shield you can an nvidia graphics card you can stream your games from your pc to your television you can do that right now so you think is that becomes more mainstream than the, the consoles are going to feel the pressure to up their graphics fidelity I think so. I mean, the only, of course, the, the biggest problem with PC is the, the biggest part of entry is the price. Because we're not talking about a two to $300 difference if you want a good gaming rig. You want a good gaming rig, unless you manage to catch a bunch of good sales, you're talking a minimum of $1,000. But then again, it's a PC, so not only is it for gaming, but you could do so much other stuff on it. Okay. What they should have done is they should have made these consoles available with expansion slots. That would have extended the life for so long, you know, for for so long. Right? Like the, and then if you have people who want to pay for the cheap one, get the base model that has the okay graphics. Okay, no problem. You get the four hundred dollar model. However, if you want the top of the line graphics where you can play this game at ten eighty p sixty frames per second on this console, you pay the additional you know, one fifty to two hundred bucks and you get the expansion card and you pop that sucker in there and you're good to go. Now you're juiced. Expansion slots would have saved this whole well, not saved, but it would have been a much better situation. But if but if if you're a graphics snob, um, aren't you already playing all the games on PC anyway? Yes. So, so I mean, but you so don't have to be a graphics snob <laughs> to appreciate power, to appreciate you know sixty, like a steady sixty frames per second, you know, to appreciate that on my console. Like I watched somebody playing Saints Row on their Xbox 360, and I was disgusted. 
<laughs> because it couldn't keep a steady frame rate. I'm used to, like, when I play Saints Row 4, I'm used to being at an uninterrupted 60 frames per second at 1080p on my OLED monitor, which is the best TV I have in my <laughs> in my apartment, to be honest with you. But, like, dude, like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's like, uh, you know, if you've never driven a BMW before, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> your Honda Civic is probably just fine for you but when you drive like that that BMW or that high end car then you know then you feel every lump on the road <laughs> you know what I'm saying you hear every every sound that you know comes in from the outside at that point I, I don't want the responsibility of owning a BMW I'm perfectly fine with my Honda Civic <laughs> I, I can afford the car payments on my Honda Civic and this is why you're the games industry public defender, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not defending the games industry. I'm defending the poor. Oh, yeah, but I said that thing, you have your option. Like, if you, if you have the expansion slots. Because a lot, a lot of, you know, right now the way it's set up is, like, if they wanted different graphical fidelities for different machines, they'd have to pump out all these different types of Xboxes and PS4s. When in reality, if they would have just made them with expansion slots... You can you can pay for your upgrade whenever you want, and then you can continue to upgrade your units like year for year. You pay a hundred and fifty bucks, two hundred bucks. You're getting into like hardware as a service there. <laughs> no, no, that's hardware as just fucking that's, hardware. That's, that's recurring revenue. It is recurring revenue. You don't think graphics cards and machines are and, and PCs are recurring revenue? Because there are some people I do know people who replace their graphics card on a yearly basis. But they have but. I'm not. I'm not going to say those people don't exist, but I feel like they're the minority. Like the amount of effort it would take for them to go out and and implement a console system that allows you for the expansions, that allows for you know sort of you know the continual upgrade cycle just to maintain top of the line graphics. I feel like the, the, what they get back isn't worth them just being like, eh, the graphics are close enough. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Not everybody's going to upgrade yearly, but you probably get people who upgrade every other year. That's four. If the console cycle lasts as long as it did last time, that's four upgrades. I can't imagine it lasts as long. It last the last one felt incredibly long. Well, this one can't because the gra- the the consoles are <laughs> underpowered. That's, that's the thing. If if they had uh, expansion slots, it could last for longer than eight years. But do they want that? Well, if they're if people are still buying hardware, okay. So like, let's say you buy your initial unit for. Uh, four hundred bucks. Okay, and you have somebody every two years. You know, when you, in this four-year cycle, every two years they buy an additional. They buy an expansion slot for one fifty. Let's say two hundred bucks. That's six hundred additional dollars. They just bought another console and a half from you over the course of eight years. But normally, the strategy for that has just been, you know, let the the console die from like the red ring of death or something, and they have to buy another one along the line anyway. Oh no! Like my cousin, he um he had a bunch of red rings, and to my knowledge, like he just they kept on warranted replacing them. So yeah, like the only thing you had to pay was for shipping, which was expensive. So so they're just propping up the USPS then. Yeah, pretty much. It's all a ploy. Exactly. No, but that's the thing. Like, expansion slots would have been a great way to keep the consoles moving and keep people happy with the proper power. That's all they want—the proper power. But then again, you have you you do have a lot of console guys who don't even know what sixty frames per second means. 
Exactly. And they'll never know. And then their, their, their ignorance makes them happy. To a degree, yes. You are 100% right on that. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, I, I would love for them to put me in a room with a bunch of screens and I would tell them <laughs> which ones are 1080p and which ones aren't. Like, but, hey, that's just me. You know, I, I just want to say I find it funny that apparently Harvey Eagle wears glasses and, like, this whole argument is based off his vision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you looked up a picture of Harvey Eagle. Yeah, on the, on the CVG. Uh, interview there was a picture of him and it's like ah oh, if i take my glasses off i can't tell the difference between 30 frames per second and 60 <laughs> frames per second i also can't tell the difference between a tv and a window oh <laughs> uh, nice i will keep that in mind uh, let's move on to our next topic let's talk about dungeon keeper which uh dungeon keeper did not uh that wasn't received too well i guess we can say uh, with Dungeon Keeper, the game was hobbled so much by uh, microtransactions that it was pretty much unplayable. Uh, unless you not only just bought stuff, but bought stuff on a regular basis, wasn't it, Nick? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They had a, they had a system whereby it was like you would do something within the game, and then um, it would take a certain amount of time, and it was like, oh, hey, this is going to take an hour, but if you buy gems and, and use them and apply them towards this process, we can have it done in like 30 seconds. And, and I mean, the specifics there may not be right, but that was basically the pr process was that the whole game was just time-locked, and all you were doing was just paying for things to happen quicker. And if you tried to play the game as without buying things, it was just too long and too interrupted by all these time-locks for it to be a cohesive experience. Right. So... Uh, CEA CEO Andrew Wilson, he uh, you know he he was talking about the problem. And he says that uh, the Dungeon Keeper reboot innovated too much. He thinks that's what the problem was with Dungeon Keeper. Oh, that was uh, that was Jabot. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Jabot, yeah, Frank Jabot that said that. Who was the former? Uh, what was it? he? Was the president of PC and uh, and, and uh, PC and console focused EA labels previously before moving to the head of ea mobile so he, he's been all around the ea executive suite okay yeah so he said it not uh andrew wilson he actually uh said something else which actually i do want to get into a little bit later of what he actually said um but that first of all that statement alone kind of shows that they're still not paying attention because they think what the problem was that they moved away from the essence of the game, which technically they, speaking, they did. They did. They, did. <laughs> they moved away from the essence of the game, and that was a problem. And, it and the game disconnected from its original fan base. No, but the the problem is there is that it's the it's the use of the word innov innovated that to sit there and say that a time lock structure where you're blocking off content is innovation. That's I mean, because fundamentally, I mean, the basics as far as like you have a dungeon, you have to stock it with, you know, uh, you know, defenders or whatever to, to, you know, like protect your dungeon and whatnot like that, that that's sort of the essence of the game. I mean, that part of it was maintained, but the, the this whole, you know, basically they, they broke the game or they monetized it to the point of breaking the game. And to say that that was innovation, I mean yes in i mean if you parse the words yes they innovated too much he is not technically wrong but to, that's that's bad innovation that's like saying i took a wheel and i carved it into a square i know i innovated the wheel and it doesn't work <laughs> it, it's just 
No, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's almost the kind of thing where they're like, well, we were heading in the right direction. We just went too far. And I mean, we get it that you're looking to you're looking to monetize all your properties, but it just I don't know. It just it just tastes bad. That whole sentence. I can't even say it without getting a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, and that, like I said, it just shows that they're still not paying attention. They're living in the executive cloud versus seeing what's actually happening on the ground level, which you would think it's it's kind of obvious that, you know, why people didn't play the game, but it's like, oh no, it's not the money thing. People love spending money. It's the fact that it moved away from its essence. <laughs> well, no, and the original fan base didn't like it. I think part of it, though, too, is that People love spending money, but it's got to feel it's it's got to feel right. I think there they 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 took it too far in that like you have to, there there has to be a certain balance between what you can do as part of the game and then what you're paying for additionally. And in this case, it feels like basically the entire game, you know, was ostensibly a free to play game was you know locked behind you know you couldn't you you could barely do anything without paying for it. And so I think that was the problem that people had was just that it was too, you know, I mean, it, and I think the other problem is there were people that wanted the game that remembered Dungeon Keeper and there was no option for them to be like, look, take all my money. I'll give you as much money as you want. Just get these time locks out of the way and let me play the game the way I remember it. And there was no option for that, for, for people to have that experience. And I think that that may be kind of where they broke that, that. That, you know, because they do they do talk about even uh, they they mention the uh, like you know J.J. Abrams like rebuilding rebuilding Star Trek and they're like yeah I saw the movie and it wasn't exactly the same as like the episodes that I'd watched previously but it still had had enough of the spirit it had enough of the essence that it still felt like Star Trek and so that I think that's they admit that they kind of missed that here because they were they were too money grubbing they they got focused on the uh, they got focused on the greed and they they destroyed the game they did now the statement that I. Uh really zeroed in on when I read this was uh, when Andrew Wilson said that uh, dealing with an IP that has existed in the past, even though you're reinventing it for a new audience, you have to do your best to stay true to its essence. And that is so true and in a lot of regards to other games too because we, we've been seeing games come out as reboots and things like that, or even movies coming out as reboots that don't stay true to what originally made them great. You know, I, we talked about Mirror's Edge, I don't know if it was last week or the week before last, and now they want to focus on first-person combat when that wasn't the essence of the game. Like, you know, Faith, she was never, um, she wasn't really supposed to be this, this you know, hand-to-hand guru, like being able to take these guards on um, face-to-face. That's, that's, you know, she was that wasn't what she was supposed to do. Like, and the fact that they hand-to-hand combat sucked in the game kind of uh, fit that, you know, because you'd have to get past guards. I think, like, there was actually an achievement that you never fired a weapon. There were some parts where you had to come across guards, but, like, you, you it was usually stuff that you had that, that kept you moving. Like, I remember there was one part where I had to jump down onto this roof. I ran toward a guard, slid, kicked him in the shin, knocked him down, rolled, got up, disarmed the next guy, and ran past him pretty much all in one motion. And that's what the game was about. And now they want to focus on hand-to-hand combat. Um, so, you know, that yeah, that's... I think it's good that he says that, but I don't know how much of that is actually going to get put back into the games. I mean, even look at the games that haven't, or series that haven't been around for that long, like Dead Space. Like, you know, you went from Dead Space 1 to Dead Space 1, which was, you know, more survival horror. And Dead Space 2 was good, but it was definitely more action in that game 
than survival horror, but it was still a good balance, I thought. And now then you had Dead Space 3, which turned into Gears of War. You know? So, yeah, I mean, he he makes a good point, but how much of that is actually going to get moved into game development? Because it's good advice, but a lot of people don't follow their own advice even when it's good. Well, it's it's. I think it's the classic problem of like games need to evolve. They need to change. You can't just keep putting out the same game over and over again. Um, and and so there is room for change. But yeah, I mean to you know you you have to you have to you have to figure out what is the core of that game and what makes that game that game, and iterate around that. And you can't just be like, well, we want shooting in Mirror's Edge. I mean, if I mean if it fits and it works. I mean, you know, at this point, it's all speculation, but. You know, and we we can see how that plays out, but um, you know, I mean, if 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 they if if it fits and it works and it still feels like Mirror's Edge and you don't need to fire a bullet in order to beat the game and and for it to play properly, then you know maybe they can do it right. But if not, yeah, and, and it's a big risk. It's a big risk. And right now, the way EA tends to innovate their games, um, it's not something that we can really you know look at them with a lot of trust. Oh yeah, you know who's actually been doing a good job of that? Ubisoft when it comes to Assassin's Creed, they have kept the essence of the game, but have been, you know, each increment of the game has brought kind of something new to the table. Uh, But they have actually essentially kept the essence of the game, and the series is still going strong. Now, creative direction is a different story, which, you know, we've talked about that. Uh, But the game has remained the same, but it just keeps getting improved on. And they're not making any, you know, super crazy changes to it. So that's that's a good example. Uh, but no, EA like well, look what they're doing with Battlefield. I mean, they, I mean, Battlefield Hardline really should be its own IP. It really should be its own IP because that does not have the Battlefield feel. And to my knowledge, that's not. I mean, it's a dice game, but it's not the same team that brings you Battlefield normally. Uh, but even Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4 didn't have the same Battlefield feel to it. I mean, I'm trying to think, can you say you get kept its essence? I think in the beginning, Battlefield 3 kept its essence. But each of the DLCs that eventually started coming down made it feel more like Call of Duty is what I was getting from the community. So, I don't know, man. They just need to follow their own advice. Like, listen to what he said. Like, you're right, you gotta keep the essence of the game because that's what made it popular. Don't just try to change this game with this new IP or just this old IP so you can you know, sell it to a new crowd. Because what happened to the crowd that made it popular in the first place? What happened to all the people who turned Mirror's Edge into a cult classic? You know? But hey. Well, yeah, but conversely, though, the reason it's a cult classic, you know, it, it means it has, a, it has a very small but dedicated fan base. And so, I mean, if they're trying to market beyond that, I mean, then that that's sort of always sort of the classic problem is like when you've got something that's so beloved to a few, how do you get that into the hands of the masses? How do you get the masses interested in that? And there's always changes that have to be made um, that are always going to irritate the uh, the hardcore original fans. Yeah, but there's degrees to that. Like there's some changes. You're right. Some changes do need to be made, but some major changes, like changing the fact that combat's going to be something major now. That's one of the things I loved about Mirror's Edge. It was like about speed and precision. Uh, it was almost a almost almost a like a, like a puzzle deal. Like you know, okay, there's two guards here. There's another car across the way. How can I get through this through this area? You know, and I just don't want to see that go away. Of course, the game has that release date hasn't even 
been announced yet, so all my fears may be unfounded. That's speculation, and that's what we do sometimes in the mass cast. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> hey, when you don't give us facts, we'll speculate. we yeah. got to fill up an hour, folks. Sometimes we record <laughs> on Sunday, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, let's move on to our next topic. Let's uh, talk about this article that was on Polygon, uh, and, and Nick brought this one up. Actually, I'm surprised I didn't see it. But it was uh, talking about the greed of AAA shooter publishers is chasing us into the arms of competitive MOBAs. Now, Nick, can you give a little background on the actual article, like why this article came to be in the first place? Um, well, I don't know I mean, why the article came to be exactly. Um, well, it's a part of a series, right? Well, it's part of a series. Uh, it looks like it was Arthur Guys who's been writing this here. Um, and I guess he's really into Dota 2 lately. Because um, he wrote an article about how he, he first didn't understand Dota 2 until he, he sort of regarded it as a sport and not a game um, and looked at it more like a team sport with sort of plays where everybody's working off each other as opposed, as opposed to just a game where everybody kind of goes in and does their own thing and, and then you just magically win. Um, I can't say I understood that article completely because I, I guess, I mean, not to say that you, know, you need to compare it to a sport, but I mean, it's a team-based game. Like you're working with other people. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't understand how you wouldn't see that. That's because it? he probably plays like an asshole. He's probably <laughs> that guy who would play StarCraft like 2v2 or 3v3 and only do stuff to protect his base or protect his assets. Uh, you know, would do stuff that will push the enemy your way and you get rocked while he's like, you know, building up his forces and going in the other direction. He's that guy. I he's that asshole. I disagree only because I don't think he would play StarCraft. I feel like he, I, th I feel like I get the impression because he mentions that he and his friends play a lot of shooters. And that's kind of what this article gets into a little bit. Um, and I get the Im impression that he's one of those guys that goes out and in a shooter, you know, you, you know, I guess it depends on the shooter. Some of them being less tactical based than others. You just run out and you just shoot everybody you find in the face and as long as you're going out and just killing enough people you know then your team will win like the, you know whatever objectives for the map and whatever else kind of just fall behind there's no need to you know set up like you know like ambushes and 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 you know like cover fire and all that like you're just running around shooting people in the face and that mentality might work in a shooter but is but in a game like dota that requires like you know like strategy and you know like cooperation amongst all five team members um yeah there's you you need to kind of step back and look at the overall picture um but one of the things one of the things that apparently sort of pushed him into dota to um is that he's been struggling to sort of maintain his group of friends playing the shooters um and, he, and you know his, his complaints are that you know the shooters keep coming out and then as they push out more dlc uh, you know every time like dlc comes out if everybody doesn't keep up with that then they fall behind they fall out of the group that's playing the shooters and so basically what happens is he's got this group of friends and they all kind of cycle through shooters and as the shooters advance with more and more dlc more and more content coming out people fall behind they move on to the next game and it's hard for him to get this group of friends all collected together to stay on one game and play you know, one game together um, because they're getting spread out across multiple titles with, with different maps and, and different content that they have. And the aggressive monetization of the shooter as far as, you know, constantly providing that DLC, constantly, you know, providing those maps. And it, it sort of fractures his, his group. And it's much easier to play a game like uh, Dota or League of Legends where everybody gets the patch at once there's no the only content that's there is the additional characters and the you know and mostly you're only paying for cosmetic stuff so 
as far as everybody being able to play together, there's no barrier to that. It's not that, oh, well, I don't have this character. I can't play on that map. Um, you know, you can, you, you know, whatever characters you have access to, you can play on all the maps. You can play with everybody. Um, it makes it easier for, you know, his friends to gather. And if they're going to spend their, you know, an hour or two playing a game, it's easier for them to do that with a MOBA than it is for them to do that with a shooter. Um, and I think that's, I find that interesting because, you know, I, you know, you look at the explosion of the MOBA recently, and we've been hearing a lot about people talking about shooters are old and shooters are dying and shooters are terrible. Um, and this one, he's not calling for like the death of the shooter or anything like that, but he's just saying that in his, you know, it's sort of anecdotal that in his experience, it's easier for him and his friends, you know, if the, you know, when, for the time that they can spend playing games together, it's easier for them to get together and play Dota than it is for them to get together and play Call of Duty or something like that. And I think that's it's it's it's, it's sort of one of those anecdotes that kind of indicates that maybe there is a greater trend here as far as this is one of the reasons why Dota and League of Legends are so popular. It's not not only is it that they're free to play um, and, you know, and they're good games, but they also they they don't you know, they don't aggressively, you know, again, you know, not not to, you know, fault. EA, you know, with, with like the Dungeon Keeper monetization or Activision with what they're doing with Call of Duty, but they don't aggressively market, mark, you know, they, they don't monetize the fan base to the point of fracturing it. That ever, you know, it's it's that you know, putting aside whatever skill based uh, barrier to entry there is, like once you once you can play Dota and League of Legends proficiently, then there's nothing stopping you from from doing anything further in the game. That you know, it's sort of like the full game is available to you at that point, you know, and then it's just a matter of buying you know skins and characters and whatnot. Whereas you know, you know, the skill level to play you know a shooter might be a little bit simpler. Like once you've once you've learned one shooter, you've kind of learned them all. But if That's you don't false neck, but go ahead. Well, on a console anyway. I wouldn't even say that, but it's, go ahead. It's People close know. enough. They're close enough. They're, the, the scheme is similar for most of them. Um, no, but um, as far as like you know, like then you need to buy the DLC, or then you need to you know make sure the game is is patched and everything's up to date for everybody across the board, um, and that. You know, it, it, for a group of friends that aren't all paying the same level of attention to maintaining, you know, maintaining their game, that can be a bit more difficult. Uh, first of all, it's kind of like the reason why it, it's kind of hard to compare Dota and League of Legends to first-person shooters because, first of all, you shouldn't be comparing a paid product to a free-to-play product. The free-to-play product has way more freedom in what they can do. Okay, and, and and their revenue stream. Uh, second of all, even if you call like call free to play, you know, compare free to play shooters versus free to play mobas and things like that. Now that's you know, uh, that in itself is kind of an unfair comparison because shooters, free to play shooters, generally do not work well. Uh, the people who I saw that got it the closest would be. Tribes. They got it. The cl- they got it. The closest, the, like in terms of free to play shooter. Actually, I'm sorry. Technically speaking, Hawken is also a free to play shooter. So they did that very well. Tribes did all right. TF2? Team Fortress. Team Fortress is free is free to play, but that was a paid game that turned free to play. So it doesn't really count because the model is actually still the same. The model was always pay up front for the game. Everything you get after that, it would be free. Now it's the opposite. The game is free up front. You pay for things as you, if you want to get them. And actually, most people don't even pay for guns because those, those things drop all the time. 
those things drop all the time. They pay for items. They pay for pieces of clothing. Some guy paid me $10. He put $10 in my Steam wallet because I had Bill's hat from a TF2, from a um, All Left for Dead special event. And I got a, t- a TF2 hat, a, a, a TF2 hat for the, the event. And some guy gave me $10 for it. <laughs> all good, you know. Um, so, yeah, like, free-to-play shooters don't work well. Because with Dota and with League of Legends, like, you know, you can add new characters. And it kind of balances itself in the game. But and, and people will try out new characters, and they'll and they'll get new characters because of the small nuances and the difference. People don't do that in shooters. If I have a gun that I'm getting headshots with, I'm gonna stick with said gun, and they know that. They know that, so therefore the new guns have to be overpowered, or there has to be, you know, some uh some major difference that you know gives anybody who does not have one a disadvantage and that breaks the game which is why free-to-play shooters really aren't that great like look at um uh blacklight retribution which actually as a game i liked but the problem with it is the fact that you know freedom that the um the, the pricing for the weapons was just too much money even to try a gun out and some of the weapons were very overpowered but the thing was i all I had to do was kill one person that had one of those guns, and most of the time it was people who weren't that great anyway. So you kill them, you take their weapon, and now you just kill everybody else with it. So that amused me for a while, and then I got tired of doing that. Uh, but yeah, most free-to-play shooters just um, the advantage that that they would have to give somebody to replace the weapons is you know is is too much. Hawkins a little different because each mech only had you like in terms of guns on a mech, you only have a few options per mech. Uh and uh you know they you can't actually are they selling? Yeah, you know, they tell you are they are selling mechs, so you can buy them directly if you want to or you can upgrade them over not upgrade but you know purchase them over time or unlock them which I actually have been able to do, but then again, I've been playing a game for a very long time, so the amount of time it takes is kind of different for me. Uh, but you know, with paid, with paid first-person shooters, um, of course they're gonna have you know the the extra revenue with the, with the DLC. My thing is though, I don't understand why you and your friends can't play without having the DLCs. If that's your problem, if you don't want to spend money on the DLC, or you think it's too much money, or they're trying to trap you into buying the subject, there's just don't buy the DLC. Like I've, I have, like for for example, sometimes I'll play Call of Duty. If I want to sh- run around shooting mindlessly, I'll play COD. I haven't purchased a single Call of Duty DLC ever, but I can hop into Black Ops right now or Black Ops Two, uh, and play with no interruption like there's people for me to play with lots of people for me to play with without purchasing a dlc so you don't have to buy the dlc same thing with battlefield he says that, you know you get locked out of servers you know the, the servers that you can go to become less and less and less but there's well technically speaking that's true you still have a ton of servers you can go into you and your friends and play the game do you just feel left out is that your problem that you feel left out because you don't have the latest and greatest dlc because that's a personal problem if you ask me you know, that's 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 something that's totally different. I don't see, you know, what you're saying. What you're saying here. I mean, I think console may be a little different because console shooters definitely drop their the player base drops out a lot faster than PC. PC has 
a long tail when it comes to communities. Well, I get the feeling, too, that one of the complaints is that it's not that they don't want to play the DLC. I think they want to play the DLC, but the problem is like, okay, so it's Tuesday night. They're all going to get together and play, and, you know, one of the guys doesn't have the latest DLC. So before they can all play together, that guy's got to buy it and then download it and then, you know, get that installed. And at that point, who knows, you know, how much of their their playing time that that eats into. I mean, I don't know how big some of the um, DLC may be, but... Maybe, I don't know, you talking... Unless he's, like, on sneaker net, like, you, you're talking, like, <laughs> a half hour, maybe? Well, but maybe they only have 45 minutes to play. Well, then maybe they should set aside more time for their friends. <laughs> maybe they have lives. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> we had this conversation before we started the the, the, the match cast with him defending. You know, well, maybe they have to do this. Maybe they have to do that. Like, well, maybe they shouldn't be playing games if they're that busy. At that time, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying they can't play games at all, so take it easy. Take it easy. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's all the time they have. <laughs> 40 minutes. Okay, fine. Like, I, I, I wouldn't even start a game if I only had 40 minutes to play before I had to go do something else. You live the sweet bachelor life. You can do that. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> not going to argue with you on that one. All right, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like he, it, This seems kind of nitpicky to me, to be honest with you. Um. There are tons of shooters you can play that don't push you to get something. Like, look at Counter Strike; they've dropped like two or three expansions for pretty cheap too. Like, I mean, one of the I think their first expansion, which included like five or sixty maps, was like three bucks, like three dollars or DLC, I should say. Um, so, I mean, and actually, you know, I'm pretty positive that you just have the DLC. Like, you don't have to actually download it. I think it's downloaded already and it's locked. And all you have to do is get this token and it unlocks it. If I remember correctly. Um, so like, there's tons of shooters out there that will fulfill this. But then again, like we don't know if if uh, you know he is playing on console or is he playing on PC. Really don't know. And that changes the game a lot because... Um, like I said, PC communities tend to last for a lot longer than console communities. Was 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 actually uh, was Gears of War on PC? The original, yes, but not three. Okay, then I think he's on console then because he name checks Gears of War three, uh, Bad Company two, Battlefield three, and Titanfall. Yeah, well, that's the second problem. He's playing shooters on console. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, like the way console typically works is like console gamers move on a lot faster, I think. They, they they typically move on a lot faster than PC communities do. And that that would say that might be part of the problem. The fact that, you know, once something new comes out or once, you know, a DLC comes out, everybody kinda hops on it. Versus PC, there's a lot of people who uh who are just like, eh, meh, I'll wait. You know, and that's it. I wonder if that has to do with the fact, and I know that's changing lately, but I mean, for PC, like you have all the games just stored on your system. Like if you're like, oh, hey, I haven't played this in a while. It's literally you just double click and all of a sudden like, bam, like you're playing this game that you haven't played for forever. But on console, it's like generally, oh, I got to get up. I got to put the disc in, you know, and then, then I can play it. Whereas it's like, 
oh, you know, whatever disc is in there, I'm just going to keep playing that until I get frustrated enough that I'm going to actually get up and take it out. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a different beast, and you know, I will make some concessions to that, uh, to that aspect. But I mean, still, I, I think. I don't know. Maybe is it a money thing? Like, do you do you guys not want to pay for for the DLC? Is that really the issue here? Because if you just want to play games with your friends, like shoot with your friends, me and my friends find games that we could play together all the time, and we're not just you know you know obviously we're not like teenagers. We're all adults. Uh, you know, you mentioned like Team Fortress Two here, and I feel like that game, like as far as like everything he he sort of says that's so great about Dota, like that applies to TF Two. I know you said like it started as a as a as a, a a purchasable game, so it doesn't quite fit the same model. But at this point, the origins don't matter. Like you go and you play TF Two; it's a free to play game. Um, I almost wonder if maybe the problem is because he's looking for console games. Uh, he's looking for like console games or console shooters rather, and comparing them with like the free-to-play PC MOBA, I mean, that is a big jump there. It's almost like he's missing, like, and probably because if you play a shooter on console, it's a different skill set to play it on PC. Like, TF2 may just not be accessible then because he's just not good shooting with a mouse. Well, nobody plays TF2 on console, period. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. I will say that, that, you know, TF2 on console, it wasn't a bad game. It It is difficult, though. I, I have seen people try to play it. I'm like, this is painful. <laughs> this is painful. Uh, but, yeah, so, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I mean, he kind of has a point. Like, you know, th- there is, don't get me wrong, of course, we, we have complained about the way, uh, you know, publishers have been handling DLC. Well, we, we've definitely complained about that ourselves. Um, but I don't think it's to the point where, oh, this, the, the way they're handling is so frustrating that, you know, it's pushing people away from first person shooters. I don't think that's the case because you do have the option of not purchasing the DLC. The DLC stuff is just kind of annoying stuff that you shouldn't have to pay for. You're paying for like, you know, with call of duty and, you know, if, if you're, if a map was previously in a call of duty, more than likely you're going to have to, uh pay for that later on i think i think that's his point though it's that yeah dlc is annoying but and you don't really have that problem in these other games and these other games are hugely popular and i think he's just trying to sort of explain why that is well they're hugely popular because they're free yeah but they're yeah. and they're they're well they're well monetized they're not you know i mean you know they you know they're not abusing the players like you know some other games have no, it's because they're free, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I that like you can see you can track. I don't say track the difference, but if you go back to a time when League of Legends wasn't free, which most League of Legends players don't even remember, they never even heard of League of Legends until it was after it was free. But before League of Legends was free, it wasn't a popular game. League of Legends goes free to play, bam, becomes a popular game. So no, it's not because of how they treat their players. It's because it's free. Well, they they treated their players well by making the game free. No, they made League of Legends free because Han was beating its ass. And, yeah, but I'm saying like the free the, the making it free was their way of treating their players. No, it wasn't. It was a strategic move <laughs> that worked out. <laughs> These are not mutually exclusive ideas. You are not wrong in what you're saying. But you know they treated their players better by saying, "Here, have our game." 
No, I'm not <laughs> buying it. I'm not buying it, Nick. No, uh-uh. I'm I'm not buying it, dude. They that was a strategic move by them, which is a great strategic move because they weren't really um League of Legends really wasn't working out. Like at the time Han was getting all the players because all of the major players, all the the big competitive players were playing Han. League of Legends goes free to play and then introduce and it wasn't even when it went free to play. When it went free to play, the fr- the the fan base definitely got bigger. But it was when they start offering the big prize pots that it really took off. Okay, so yeah, let's you know, let's not just say they're treating their players better. Let's call it away. Let's you know, give, it is what it is. Giving people a huge prize pot is a nice way to treat your players. <laughs> okay, Nick, we're moving on. <laughs> Thank you very much. We are moving on. Yes. Okay, so let's talk. Our last topic is the Hearthstone pricing model, and Nick, I know you like that, so you go ahead and talk about. It. I haven't even played Hearthstone yet. Oh, you you should. It's a great game, and Blizzard treats its players very well. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so th- there's the first. It's not really an expansion. It's an adventure um, for uh, for it's called Curse of Naxxramas. Um for Hearthstone, and it's basically uh, it's modeled after a uh, a raid from. Uh, wow during uh, wrath of the lich king um and so what it is is it's broken into five parts uh each part i think has three bosses um and so they're releasing each part one uh, one per week over i guess the course of five weeks um and so what they've done is because it's a free-to-play game they've offered a uh, a sort of a tiered pricing scheme um where each wing can be purchased for 700 gold which is acquired in game uh or uh, it's six ninety nine per wing, uh, but there's some changes to that because well, first, if you play uh, Hearthstone and you play the, the 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 adventure during the first month, you can get the first wing for free. Uh, so right off the bat, you're already you're already down one wing. After that, you can purchase the wings in groups. I think it's twenty four ninety nine for uh, all five wings. I think it's uh, twenty twenty ninety nine for four wings. Um, and then it's a uh, fourteen ninety nine for three wings, ten dollars for two wings, and then uh, six ninety nine for one wing. Um, so I thought it was interesting that they did that. Uh, insofar as it kind of allows you as a player to see like how much gold you can acquire, um, but by the time each wing is released, and then you can decide how much you want to buy. Um, you know, e- even. You know, twenty-five dollars for all. You know, what, what amounts to a thirty? You know, even thirty-five dollars for all the wings. Um, I, you know, I've heard people say that Hearthstone is a good enough game that they would have paid gladly paid. You know, full like fifty-dollar AAA price for that. Um, and you can do that. You can buy card packs for for that price. Um, and people have justified the purchase that way. Um, so I mean, it, it's it's a good enough game where even thirty-five dollars for the expansion, I think people would have been happy with that. Ever, I, I've not heard a single complaint about this pricing scheme, um, and I just find it interesting that they've they've tiered it in such a way that you can sort of mix and match based on how much currency you have in game, uh, you know, along with how much you know money you're willing to spend uh, to, in order to sort of uh, get get that out there. I thought. Um, I mean, people would have been fine if it was just a set price, like, okay, here's, you know, even, you know, just X amount per wing, or, you know, here's, you know, you buy everything as a pack, or you can buy it with gold. I think it was nice for them to kind of mix it up. So it's like, oh, okay, you know, I can afford three wings, and I'll, I'll pay for the, the other two with in-game currency, and, and be fine that way. Yeah, actually, I th- you know what I found was interesting? The fact that they tried to make it cheaper for the players, if you've already bought specific parts of it. I thought that was very interesting. It says a lot about Blizzard because they definitely didn't have to do that. 
Yeah, they, they did not have to do that at all. I don't think there was any doubt about whether people were not were, or not were going to buy things for this game. They're Blizzard. Yes, they're going to buy things for this game. I mean, if they sold separate skins for StarCraft models, I'd buy the shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, the, I just, when I read it, I was like, okay, this is cool. Even though I don't play the game, um, it says a lot about Blizzard and the fact that they do take care of their players. And look how huge they are. That's it's because they, they, they typically take care of their players. And, you know, sometimes they don't Diablo 3. And uh, they learned, and they fixed they learned, that. Yeah, they, they learned, and they fixed that. They they felt the pressure of uh, you know trying to trying to get some of that sweet sweet uh, games as a service money, <laughs> and uh, no, it didn't work out. So um, yeah, good for Blizzard. I mean, I really don't have too much for this. I just thought it was kind of cool that they did that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. I mean, I'm already calculating out how long it's going to take me to earn up enough gold in order to purchase everything. Um, and even then, it, if if I'm a few days late, you know, I can always, you know, throw this seven dollars. I mean, it's not that much. Um, I mean, it's I mean, Hearthstone, as far as how they've implemented it, you get gold at a, a good enough rate that if you don't feel that, you know, it's entirely at your discretion. It's not pay to win. You don't feel that you need to spend money on it. I think uh, I forget who the who the uh, I want to say was it uh, was it Trump? I think who has a. Uh, who has a legendary deck that he got earned uh, all through free to play? Um, he didn't spend any money on it. He made legendary. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it, it, it hits that sweet spot of if you want to spend money on it, it's not too much, it, but you don't feel compelled to spend money on it. You can play the game completely free. Um, this continues that trend. So, you know, good job, Blizzard. All right, I think that's gonna bring us to a close. I've already looked through the games list, folks, and it's not pretty. It's uh, there's really nothing coming out here. Um, we are in that drought, like we mentioned earlier, so we're not even gonna go through that whole thing today. But um, as always, thank you for uh, listening. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud, which is SoundCloud.com/slash/MashThoseButtons. You can catch us on uh, iTunes as well uh, for your iOS devices. We're on Stitcher as well if you want to stream on your Android and iOS devices. We are on. Uh, where are we? we are on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash MTB site. We are on Facebook.com slash match those buttons and YouTube.com slash match those buttons. So you can keep us keep up with us in all of those places. And like I said, thank you for listening. We will catch you guys next time. Have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah.